This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Talk. All right, we're having a little chat here, conversation. Great to have you along today. It's a Saturday morning. Boy, it is a warm one out already today as we get you set for another weekend. Great to have you along for the ride today. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. I am Andy Hoosier. Thanks for joining us as we kick off another weekend for you. Lots of stuff going on. We have a lot of things to talk about. It is officially election season here in the state of Kansas. So, Starting next week, we're going to be having at least a candidate every single Saturday to talk about from the governor's race to congressional races to state legislative seats to even county and city council here in the city of Wichita. We have Ryan Beatty. He'll be joining, I believe, next week. He'll be joining us uh, for a county commission seat. He's challenging Lacey Cruz (laughs) in that race as the Republican. So. We'll have some fun, have him on the program. Lots to get to this weekend, though, and it's awesome to have you with us. Scott Schwab, Kansas Secretary of State, he'll be joining us at the bottom of this hour. We talk about election season, but I'm sure, show of hands, how many people have seen the documentary 2000 Mules and the potential voter fraud, the drop boxes that went on in the 2020 presidential election? We talk about that. What's his response, and what are we doing in Kansas that could prevent some of that fraudulent activity from happening here in our state. Bottom of next hour as well, Dave Trobert, Kansas Policy Institute. They have an event coming up next week we'll talk about and get his thoughts on, you know, 8.5% inflation rates and that sort of stuff. So lots to get to. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. For all your gold and silver needs, it's Phil's Coins. Also online at philscoins.com. And it has been a few weeks since we've had him in the studio, so... Here he is, the man himself, in the flesh and blood. It's Mr. Phil Martinez. How are you, sir? Oh, God. Here I am. Here yeah, you are. Here I am. It's always good to see you. It is. Good to see I you. always get great response whenever you're on. And it is such a, I think now, more important than ever to talk about the gold and silver market and the economy. With the report that came out yesterday of May's numbers at 8.6% inflation, the highest since like 1981. Thank you, Jimmy Carter. We're a year and a half into the Biden administration, and we've already peaked at what took Jimmy Carter eight years to get to. Was he president for eight years? He was there for two terms, wasn't he? Or was he? Maybe he was only one term. You're right. I maybe he was only one term. Smarter than that. Yeah, you're one, right. He's one, okay. ter- one term's only enough. That's right. That's right. But Lord. at the same time, four years it took him to get to that level, yeah. and it took Joe Biden a year and a half. So. I guess congratulations on a record of beating Jimmy Carter for being worse on the economy. Worst president in the history of the country. Yeah, it is unfortunate. But we have the worst one now. We have the worst one now. We are dealing with that issue. Make Carter look good. (laughs) Yeah. How how is that affecting the gold and silver market right now? I mean, obviously the the metal prices have um, kind of been bouncing all over the place as well, which they're still kind of a strange level silver was up at the end of the day yesterday but we're still floating right around 21 22 that's kind of interesting to me 
yeah, there's no reason for silver to be in the $22. Silver technically ought to be at least 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I've got people who still believe. I still believe we could see 40 to $60 silver by the end of the year. But I thought that last year, and it didn't happen. So don't run out and buy silver just because I said. Sure. But at the same time, long term, I mean, got people running scared of the banks right now. That seems to be the general consensus out there. I had a guy come in yesterday talking about pulling a million dollars out of his uh, uh, stock market account. Because all the big experts are saying, you know, it's on its way down. It's going to drop. We're going to see a 70% correction. La, 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 la. Sure. He said, I've, he said, I've lost 200,000. He says, lost a hundred thousand. I talked to him and they go, well, just stay the road, stay the road, you know, stay, stay right in there. And he said, then I lose another hundred thousand. He said, so he says, he's pulling everything out and, and he can't spend, he's going to about a half, he's going to have somewhere around a half million dollars. He's going to put in gold and silver. Wow. So, I mean, you know, so he, he, he says, can't, it can't do any worse than the stock market's doing. And it's always had some kind of money value. Sure. I mean, you know, they, they traded, they traded gold and silver back before Christ. Right. So it's always had some kind of value, intrinsic value. Always. Uh, people are coming in, they're scared to death. Of the banks are scared to death of what the government's going to do. Uh, seems to be a lot of talk about, they're worried about the government coming in and doing like they did in Sicily and confiscating money out of their bank accounts. And they're going, they're even going to do it to the poor people. And I said, well, you can't do it to the poor people. And somebody goes, why not? And I said, man, the poor people vote. Mm-hmm. I said, if you want to definitely make sure you don't get elected, you start taking half of what they have and they don't have, and they don't have anything to start with. And he goes, yeah, but, but technically, and this is what I tell people. And, and this is something that you people need to understand. You can stand there and look at yourself and your family, and then we can look at the government. And if the government has a choice about where the government stays open and runs, or you starve, the government comes first. The government always comes before any single entity in the world. Sure. So therefore the government will do whatever it's got to do whenever it's got to do it. And so I've got people that some lady coming the other day and spent all but uh, $10,000 of what she had in the bank. And um, she goes, should I buy another $10,000 worth of silver and gold? <laughs> and technically my answer should be yes, because I'm the one selling it and I'm making money on it. But at the same time, if it was me, that's not what I would do. So I advise her to take some of the cash out and just hold the cash. She's not making anything in the banks on interest anyway. So I'll hold the cash. And then if the bank closes or defaults or does something stupid at least she's got something to fall back on yeah so yeah it is very it's a very scary time there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now and even the, the weird part is is that the secretary of treasury yellen says that we're not headed for a recession they're just blowing it off there's nothing we can do about inflation we don't see an end to it we don't know how high it's going to get but it's not that bad and there's not a recession happening. And that's after the last year, they saying, oh, there's not going to be any bad inflation. Don't worry about it. You know, we're just spending $2 trillion above our national deficit yeah. for an entire year. Yeah. Now they come back this year and you're like, hey, we cut the deficit. They just didn't spend as much as they did. Although we're back on the regular trajectory of growing the deficit on a normal basis. Somebody was in the shop the other day talking to me and they was telling me that they read the numbers and we were ex- almost exactly something about national growth or something where it was when we went into the, in the depression. Back in the 30s. That's scary. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of people thinking depression and, you know, and I mean, gas is $5. And I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Biden. You can stand here and blame Putin and Ukraine and all this. But when you shut the oil line down, Putin wasn't in the picture. You did that all by yourself. And all you people out there that's paying $5 gas and they're talking $10 gas, 
you just need to make sure when you go to the polls, you send the me- the right message that you don't want you don't want another year of this stuff. We've talked a little bit about this before, but I think this is a good time for a refresher, a refresher on this. The silver market itself, with such a weird demand with it getting harder to mine because it's getting, you know, the the, yeah. the, the availability of it's getting so scarce. Now we're looking at this because of the lack of oil drilling, and they don't want to drill it. We had Pete Buttigieg say that we don't want to drill more oil because we don't want a permanent solution to a temporary problem regarding Russia and the Ukraine and cutting off buying oil from them. So they're pushing the electric vehicle, which is what this whole thing is, which is why they're doing everything except for drill, is because they want it to get to the point where it's so expensive that we it's more economical for us, and this is how bad it's going to get, it's more economical to buy a $60,000 electric vehicle than it is to actually go fill up your gas tank. That's what they want. Right. But... There's so much silver that goes into the EVs with the computer chips and with everything in there, Absolutely. doesn't it? That that's going to put more of a strain on these precious metals. Yeah. Well, right now, I've been telling everybody 90 percent. One of my employees read an article that says that 94 percent of all the silver being mined today is going straight into industry. Wow. So I'll leave six percent for investments. That's insane. And, and you get into all this, but at the same time, I mean, I, I we were talking to somebody the other day, and this guy got on social media and was telling me. He took this nice vacation and he went somewhere. And if he would have take drove a car, a conventional car, it would have cost him two hundred and fifty dollars in gas. But by the time he charged his electric car, it was like hundred and fifty dollars. So he saved a hundred bucks. But he pulled into places that actually had a charging station, and he waited for hours because there was people ahead of him. And he waited for hours, and he lost a whole day waiting in line to charge his car. <laughs> the government hasn't set up these charging stations. There's no charging stations. And yet the, the government's also telling us that we're going to have ro- roaming brownouts and blackouts yep. right now. So what are you going to do when you go in and you plug in 500,000 electric cars at 5 o'clock? My God, they're going to blow the main breaker, and you, you guys won't see power for a month. No one's going to be able to get electricity. You're right. I mean, with the extreme heat already this weekend, they're talking about potential brown and blackouts in Texas all the way to California. Yes. I don't think we're affected yet, but it's coming. If the if the grid's already strained by 100-degree weather, what are we going to do when we put 10 million different electric vehicles on the grid? Absolutely. I mean, on a, I'm just saying 500,000. You're talking 10 million. I mean, I'm trying to be conservative here. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, this guy you know, put it out there, and he said, yeah, but he says, God, for the hundred dollars he could have spent spent in gas, he you know he had hours and hours and hours of wait waiting somewhere to find somebody. I said, you know, when you you break out and you break down in the middle of nowhere and your battery goes down because you drove by the last charging station because it was eight eight cars ahead of you, you didn't want to wait four hours. But they tell me it takes thirty minutes to charge these things. Right. Now I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but it makes sense to me because I've got batteries and I charge batteries. I use them for fishing and everything else, so I charge batteries and it takes time. And I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, my God, if there is eight people ahead of you and it's going to take even 15 minutes, you're still talking two hours. And if you're very far back and your battery runs completely down, are you going to push that battery-operated car up there to get to the charging station? Or is somebody going to pull in in front of you because he can drive past you? I mean, it's it's, it's going to you're, – you're going to, you're going to see – they talk about shootings. You're going to see shootings at these charging stations to see who gets who gets to go on down the road. I believe that. I'm sorry I said that, but I believe it. It's a, I tell you what, it's a very scary thought to think about. That's the type of um, world that some want to live in is trying to crash the system of that sort. But looking at the gold and silver market, that's the, whatever they do economically, whatever they do with the oil, it's going to have an impact on 
the gold and silver market, which yes. it already is starting to do. So we got to take a break here. 18 minutes past the hour. It is Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins. When we come back, an event coming up next weekend you need to be a part of as well with the next coin and stamp show here in the Wichita area. How can you partake and what can you get? It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about that and some more issues. I want to hear from you today at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We have some really awesome news. We have a lot of news to get to, a lot of things to talk about today for Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Two minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. You know, getting you all up and ready to go for the Saturday morning for another weekend. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be a warm one. We're supposed to hit 100 degrees tomorrow here in the Kansas area. Good golly. But hey, we survive. We are troopers, baby. It is proof positive of that global warming that's happening. <laughs> See? There we go. That's why we need to go back to that electric vehicle. <laughs> yeah. See? There we go. Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins right here in studio, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Also online at philscoins.com. Coming up next weekend, you guys are part of another uh, coin and stamp show. These are so much fun. I love they're, they're them. They're crazy. Yeah, we're, the, the K&A is going to have their 32nd annual Coin and Stamp Show at the Cessna Activity Center. Uh, oh, these all these shows are Friday and Saturday now, so it'll be Friday from seven to nine, and uh, or no, nine to four. Nine to four. There we yeah, go. I knew we get it. Nine to four, and then uh, Sunday. No, Saturday. Nine to seven. Nine to seven. What? What? I don't uh, want, we wrote it down. Nine to, the, nine to seven. Here we go. Nine to five and nine to four. There you go. Nine to five on Friday and nine to four on Saturday. There we go. And if you're going to show up Saturday at four o'clock and think you're going to buy something, most of the dealers will, will have packed up and left. So you need to be there by at least three o'clock. <laughs> yeah, don't show yeah, up at four yeah, o'clock on Saturday. Uh, it, there, we've got. I uh, talked to Dean Smith. That's helped putting on the show. He said we got like fifty tables, so there'll be a lot of stamps, a lot of coins, a lot of people there. Uh, a lot of people coming in out of Texas, Colorado for the show, so we'll have a lot of theaters there. So this should be a good show. It's free parking, free admission. He's so, got to walk in. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you find a place to park and walk in, you got it made. That's awesome. I love these. Now, we went to one a couple years ago when you guys were there, yeah. and I still have it because it was the coolest thing we ever got. We got the ancient coin, <laughs> and I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I always think of the stories of how many pints of beer did this thing buy <laughs> for someone 2,000 years ago because uh, it was a BC coin. It was yeah. from Rome, I believe, yeah. and uh, it was it's the neatest thing. And you can find that. You can find like collector's items if you're looking for a specific collector's thing. You can just find some really neat coins. Yeah. Dane yeah. Smith has got will have some awesome paper there. If you're a paper collector and you want to see some like real, stamps, no currency. Oh, currency! You want oh, to paper see some currency. Really, oh. real, yeah, here cup God probably ten years ago he had a ten thousand dollar bill at the at the show, which was worth probably at the time. I'm going to say eighty to hundred thousand dollars. Oh my! And uh, some guy was coming in and. We almost had him arrested because he was taking photographs. And so, you know, you, you can't bring your cameras and photograph 
at the shows because you're going to get a dealer involved and you're going to show inventory and basically if he's robbed, you're a prime suspect. So we don't allow cameras at the show. Oh, so you can't take yeah. photos. That's good you, to know. Good, Never thought of that. It's good to know. We had somebody come in the shop the other day and we thought he was playing on his phone and they were, we were quoting a, an estate we were for the courts Yeah. and this kid's got his phone on and somebody was, he, he's recording. So we had to turn his phone off and I said, you don't understand. I said, you know, you're, you're, you're recording what we're saying and you're recording my inventory. And I said, so if we get robbed, you will be the prime suspect because you just recorded everything we needed. Mm. And so we don't allow any, any photo. You know, occasionally somebody will want to take a photograph of something. They want to show somebody and possibly buy. Sure. But, um, it's a shame, but you got to put your business card in the photograph. Interesting. Other, otherwise there was a coin dealer back East that had a, like an $8,000 ring. And this guy was thinking about it. And he went in and took a picture that want to take a picture, show his wife. And he said, well, I'll probably be back Saturday and, and think about it. And the guy goes, I won't be here Saturday. I'll be at a coin show in like Chicago. Right. And so the Chicago police department show up, come in there, seek this coin dealer out and tell him that ring's been reported stolen. And the guy's got a photograph of it. Oh my! Well, he took it in the guy's shop, and then said this was the shop was was the stolen one. And so the guy went and talked to his attorney, and he said it would cost you more money more money to fight it than it just be to give the guy the eight thousand eight thousand dollar ring. Wow! So he so so if you photograph anything in our shop, uh, we do put a business card in it so that you so we can prove that you took this at Phil's Coins, and it wasn't something that you. We've never had that problem. I I would like to think I haven't got any customers who would do that. Yeah, I don't see a lot of people being malicious like that unless they have the malicious intent, but that is good to know because I never would have thought of that. I would have seen like a really cool coin and would have wanted to take a picture of it, send to my friends or something, be like, hey, check this out. This is so yeah. cool. And I never would have thought of that. So that's good to know. Yeah. So, I mean, we put a business card in it and we check the picture to make sure the business card shows up. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just like taking a name and an address and a telephone number on a $10,000 check. Mm. You got you just things you got to do whether you like it or not. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Uh, we got just a couple minutes here before we have to wrap up, but business wise traffic going in and out of the shop, you guys are always busy. You yeah. guys are still one of the only ones that still have like actual inventory in stock for gold and silver. There is, has it slowed down or really, is it still? there really isn't. I mean, you know, uh, the big companies, uh, J and bullion, as far as I know, is still 45 days out. I mean, they'll advertise it. You can buy it, but you're going to be 30 to 45 days before you receive it. Mm. Uh, Atmex in Oklahoma is the same way. Uh, I've got people, Some we had a guy call from uh, Houston, Texas last month, and he says, I see where you have silver. And she, he goes, my son says, yes. And he goes, and you have it in stock. And he goes, yes. And he says, so how long would it take me to get it? And he says, we have it in stock. We can ship it. Yeah. And so he bought 40,000 and he says, you can't find it in Texas. And he says, well, he bought $40,000 worth in Houston. We had our supplier in Houston, ship it to him. Wow. But he, but he didn't know to go there, but, uh, people in Florida are calling us. People from North Dakota are calling us. They can't find any silver. There is no silver. And we're, so we're shipping all over the United States right now. Cause we are one of the few places that actually have it in stock. Phil's coins going national. 
Oh there God, I don't, I, I don't want, I can't keep up locally. And then they're talking national. You need a, you need to shop in every fifty, all fifty states, no, and that way you can, no, you can do what no. you need to do. We, so. we've hesitated to open a shop even on the east side of town because we just don't have the help to run it. Just don't have the ability to do it. It's Phil Martinez, Phil's Coins, ninety three forty four West Central Avenue. Also, go and check it out the Cessna Event Center next Friday and Saturday. It's Father's Day weekend with the Candace Numis- Numismatic Association. Yes. I said that right. There, yeah. you, you got it right. There you, go. you, did, there you, you did well. I did well. Give I you did, an A. I done well on that one. Phil, it's good to talk to you, my friend. Good we'll to do talk it again to soon. you. All you people out there, be blessed. Always a good time. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab will talk with him about election season and more coming up here on Kansas Talk on KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker 1480 KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today on another Saturday morning. Really happy to have this guy back on the show and back in studio with us as you're making the rounds all over the state, talking to people, relieving them of some concerns and fears, <laughs> also getting all ready for election season, which is ramping up. But Kansas Secretary of State, Mr. Scott Schwab. Scott, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Andy. It's good to be back on. Honored to do it. Thank you for having us back. I, I love having you in studio. love talking to you. I, I've enjoyed our chats all the way back when you were a state representative, yeah. so it's always good to get uh, get you in and chat with you. Obviously, a lot of things going on, so let's jump into this first and foremost. Register. Uh, Registration for candidates all wrapped up. Everything's ready to go. Uh, we always see a lot of Democrats jumping kind of last minute into the registration, yeah, um, which so I find interesting. It is. So when, you, when you're talking about filing to run for office, it, let's just be honest what Kansas is. It's a relatively red state. Sure. And so the Democrats, the way they're funded through the DNC is whether they get health insurance and payment is how well they do out recruiting. Mm. opponents yeah and so they like for every statewide every member of congress they have to have an opponent even if they don't try or else they're going to lose some of the benefits from the dnc actually not a bad idea it forces you to recruit but that means in some of these areas like out by you know mays kansas it's a little bit mays or even go further west towards dodge city it's a little bit more difficult to find those democrats sure that is true. I do notice that they they do a big announcement right like right towards the end of registration deadline and uh, and filing deadline, and they say, "All right, here's all of our candidates for all these districts." And a lot of times you don't know about them, and even during campaign season, you just don't hear about them a whole lot. But they're there. They they do a little Facebook campaign ad, and that's about it. Yeah, sometimes yeah, you know, sometimes they're like, "Okay, I'll put my name on the ballot, but I've got I've got harvest. I'm no. not going to put that much work into it, or I got I've got a court hearings and things to do." But all politics is local. So sure. sometimes, you know, you may not have heard them, but they're on a local school board and, you know, they're just mm. working on taking the next step. And sometimes that does change the effect. Sure. Uh, compared to what you've seen as of this point uh, with some of the filings compared to previous years, about the same? Are we seeing an increase in candidates in primaries? Um, for the legislative stuff, I'd say it's about the same. Okay. Um, even with redistricting, it's not as big of a scramble as it was 10 years ago. Obviously, the court wrote the maps two days before the filing deadline. Sure. Back then. But... It seemed like two years ago, you know, when it was up for Senator Pat Roberts wasn't running again, Roger Marshall, Chris Kobach, and all these people running for Senate. We had five people jump out and eight more jump in for a total of 11 Senate candidates in that race. We're not seeing that. We were wondering if we might see some of that with the governor's race. Obviously, we didn't. You know, Mm -hmm. Derek Schmidt should sail through in August. Pretty simple. Yeah, knock on wood. Knock yeah. on wood. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit different scenario for this governor's race compared to the last one, isn't it? I mean, last one it was 
pretty brutal uh, it, with with some of the blood between uh, Republicans in the primaries. This one seems, again, knock on wood, that it's going to be smooth sailing. Well, the reason why we had eight years of Sam Brown back is because Republicans overwhelmingly supported one candidate. Yeah. And we're seeing that again. And if we, you know, as a Republican, I'd like to see eight years of Republican leadership coming out of the second floor of the Capitol. Sure. That is very true. Let's talk about the redistricting. How has that changed with some of the filings? I know we have a few new districts, both at local levels for, for you know, the city and county stuff. But the legislative seats even changed just slightly a little bit as well. Has that complicated the filings, uh, the fact that that was kind of a last minute thing? It, you know, we we had the extension into the tent, so that really helped prevent the complications because we don't want our clerks screaming. Right. The biggest thing that was difficult is precinct committee people for the Democrat, Libertarian, and, and Republican parties. Mm. They have to draw those precincts in ways that take into account county commission races, legislative races, state school board races, sure, and also congressional races. So what, if you wonder, like, well, how come this county has more precincts in this one. It just depends on the overlay of the maps. Sure. And that's where it puts pressure on the clerks. But because of that extended deadline from the legislature, our clerks are doing just fine. Sure. On the legislative seat, the big congressional seats um, the, the, for our four districts, I know that the third district with Sharice Davis kind of got chopped up just a little bit. And some were concerned about that, especially on the Democrat side, where they were trying to say that it was gerrymandering, that we were stealing the seat away from her. But what was the breakup on that? And how did that change? So it was... Re- the third district has become so populated, you can't put Wyandotte County and Johnson County in the same district. Mm. So you're either going to chop up Wyandotte or you're going to chop up Douglas County or or chop up uh, Johnson County. Sure. Well, Johnson County has more votes. Sure. Okay. okay. So now what's a natural border for Wyandotte County? Mm-hmm. I-70. It's a natural border. Mm. So now where do you get the rest of the numbers? Well, that's where Douglas County ended up being in the epicenter and got carved up but somebody was going to get carved up sure um the numbers biden still carries that district in the 2020 election so now but political dynamics change you know we'll just see as the race goes forward who wins and who loses but it the numbers probably do help amanda more but it's not a lot not a lot yeah on the other side the side that's going into a new district is that going to water down the republican stronghold or is that going to do you think uh, embolden a more purple district. You know, as political dynamics change, you never know. Right now, the first district is still one of the most Republican districts in the country. Yeah, that is very true. That yeah. is very true. Yeah, it, and it's a wide range too. It's a very large area. It is, and it's getting <laughs> bigger because as that as that population becomes more sparsely populated, you know, you're going to have more compact Wichita, more compact, you know, Kansas City area, mm-hmm. and that first and second district are going to have to take on more counties. You know, but I always tell folks, you know, I had someone from Lawrence said, well, what do I have anything to do with my community with Hayes? I said, you're all Kansans. Yeah. I, my whole district is the state of Kansas. My district has Lawrence and Hayes in it. Let me tell you, it works just fine. That's right. Uh, that's very true. Uh, going into election season now and wrapping up uh, legislative season, what did we change? I know that you worked with the legislature on a few yeah. different bills throughout the session, but now that it's done and over, what officially was done on election issues? We look at election security like cybersecurity. You know, you, you can have your cyber secure today, but that doesn't mean you're constantly looking for other opportunities yeah. to, to make you more secure. But we don't want to change the voting experience. We right. don't want to confuse you. You're like, well, why do I have to do it this way? I never had to do it this way. We want you, when you vote, it's the same way as it was two years ago or last year. But what we wanted to do was one thing with all the talk of machines being connected to cell towers and networks. We mm. said, well, let's just ban it. 
let's just put it in statute. So sure. we're not relying on the Fed's regulation, but rather we put it in statute. And I don't even Probably want my regulation. <laughs> yeah, that was an easy vote. The other thing we did is also, again, going back to the cyber side, voter data is very important for us to protect. We mm-hmm. don't want it manipulated the day before the election. So what we did is make sure we regulate electronic poll books. Sure. And that way, because we want to make sure that they're encrypting the signal and everything, because the poll book sometimes is on a network so that, you know, like early advanced voting, when you vote, you can't go to the other site and vote again because the network's synchronized. Sure. But we want that regulated because if it's on a network, that's when foreign actors and, and terrorists and people who just want to frustrate the nation right. get in and mess up the voter data. The other thing is we, we added a way that you can remove somebody from the voter rolls. Okay. We actually even got the Democrats to support us on this. And it goes back to wow. like apartments and whatnot. If you have not done a voting activity in four years, mm-hmm. and that could not mean just voting, but let's say you asked for an advance mail ballot but never sent it in, you signed a petition, something like that. If you haven't done any of that in four years, the county clerk sends a notice. Okay. If that notice doesn't come back or it comes back not at this address, another four-year clock ticks. So it's a total of eight. To make sure you're catching a couple presidential cycles, some sure. only voting those. Right. And then after that year eight, they can come off the voting roll. Mm. See, that way, it's like, it's not like we're trying to remove voters. It's like we just want accurate data. You have so plenty the, of time then, too. Yeah, so like Marcy Francisco supported this, and she's one of the more liberal state senators out of Lawrence, Kansas. But sure. she works as a poll worker, and she sees names at the dormitories registered to vote that she went to college with 30 years ago. Wow. Because there's no system to remove them. After 20, 2018 ruling... The Supreme U.S. Supreme Court gave us this mechanism, so we put that in statute. Sure, just, that's the type of stuff that we just want to continue to update. Yeah, well, it's, uh, we've talked about it before, and you've mentioned it many times. I mean, with the discussion with voter fraud, whether it's the the machines, whether the drop boxes, what I want to get to here in a little bit as well. Regardless of whatever concerns are out there, you've talked about the process step by step to really alleviate some of those concerns. That if it's going on in other states, which I know it is happening, and we've had those issues, but here in the state of Kansas. I do feel comfortable with our electoral process. I feel comfortable with the process that we have, with the verifications that we have, with the process of actually casting the ballot, and whether it is electronic or the paper ballot, I know that we have a pretty darn accurate result at the end of the day. We really do. And so a couple things. All counties are on voter paper verification. So Mm -hmm. even if you're voting on a machine, it's printing off a paper ballot. Sure. So that's something you can touch, and that's actually what's counted as it relates to our elections. And we have voter ID. So I can't send in five ballots unless I know their ID number. Right. That's pretty difficult to do. And as a matter of fact, I got to pull my driver's license out to write down the number. I don't have it memorized. Yeah. And then um, the other thing that we have is we do post-election audits. And so that means after the election, they pull three people from the community of two different parties and they pull out a ballot and say, do we all agree what this ballot says? And they do a whole precinct that way. Mm. We've done over 300 post-election audits and not one county has failed their audit. Wow. They've all zeroed out perfect. Those are the measures we have that, you know, you can you don't have to worry about voter fraud stealing value them vote. Sure. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, it's because we have the red tape in place to make sure you go through the security measures. You have the voter ID. You actually have verification to prove that we are who we are. I mean, these other states, when they start allowing, quote unquote, illegal aliens to vote or you try and get rid of the voter ID laws because it's racist or whatever they try to argue, that's when you start seeing a lot of shenanigans start happening. But we don't have that here in the state. We don't. And voter ID has been in, in law now for 11 years. Even Laura Kelly voted for it when, it was in the, when she was in the Senate. <laughs> Shh, and, you can't say that. Yeah, <laughs> but it goes to tell you how reasonable our voter ID law is. Yeah. You know, if you can't afford an ID, go down to the county office. They'll give you one for free. 
So in that right there, just putting that in law that you can get a government ID for free helps you if you do need get want to get back on your feet and you want to get a job. Now you got a free government ID to show right. you who you really are. Exactly. So that's why there was a lot of support for that law, and it's worked out fantastic. It has not caused confusion or suppression. Sure. We're talking to Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Let's talk about uh, how this ties in as well with the new documentary that came out that's caused a lot of conversation. And I love the documentary. I think it's a fantastically done uh, video by Dinesh D'Souza with 2,000 Mules. Uh, I did see right after the movie came out that you did send a press release out and uh, an email out to people that subscribe to, to that regarding 2,000 Mules and how it relates to us here in the state of Kansas, where because of these things that we just talked about, some of these uh, these measures, that while we may see the videos of people dropping in 80 ballots into a drop box in Atlanta, Georgia, that's not something that we need to be too terribly concerned about here in Kansas. Right. We it, Ballot harvesting was banned a few years ago. Yeah. So Which is not, so good. I'm so glad we it, got rid of that. It was, it, it, was, it was helpful. And then the other part is the, the measures we have. So everything he said, we do. First off, um, you have to ask for an advanced mail ballot. It's not automatically sent. Sure. We have voter ID for advanced mail ballots. We were one of the only states in the country that had that. Mm -hmm. Plus, we have signature verification. Plus, we have, a, and here's what he doesn't have that we have on ours. If someone turns in your ballot for you, there's an affidavit that they have to sign to say they're turning in the ballot mm -hmm. for you so you have a, cha a ballot chain of custody. Sure. Also, our drop boxes have two locks on them, and it has to have two people of two different parties with two different keys to unlock and collect them. Which, by the way, you're not getting that security at the post office, which is why we like to drop boxes <laughs> better than the blue ones outside the post office. Sure. Because this is a true story. We were in Russell, Kansas a month and a half ago in March, and they she had ballots that were mailed legally in October of last year that finally showed up at the clerk's office. Oh, my. If you're mailing your value them both ballot, that could be your ballot showing up too late. Yeah. And so this is why I tell folks when they bash drop boxes, man, if everybody, if all you can do is mail those ballots, suddenly there's going to be a lot of Republican votes not counted because Republic, yeah. there are more Republican voters that mail their ballot than are Democrats that mail them. Here in Kansas. That's in interesting. Kansas. It is. Because, you know, we're a rural community, and sometimes, you know, getting to town is a bit of a haul. Sure. you got to make a day out of it to go and actually do something like that. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, we talk about the inefficiencies of the post office being a government-run entity of that sort. Uh, and I, I would feel more comfortable, I guess, dropping it in a Dropbox than putting it in the mail for sure. I still like to show up to the, to the actual voting booth on that day. Yes. But if that's what you have to do, then, yeah, I would probably choose that over putting it in the mail. Right. So because uh, and I'll, we'll, we'll, we've always said this. The best way to secure your ballot yeah. is you vote in person and you put it in the ballot box. That's the most secure way to vote. But some people have to do it another way. And I always like to talk about kind of like liberal Kansas because the post office is across the street from the courthouse. Sure. Okay, so if I put it in that drop box out in front of the post office, it gets sent to Santa Fe, New Mexico to get processed to show up across the street. Mm. Or you just put it in the box across the street. Yeah. And it's handled by Kansans that have taken an oath and trained to count and treat ballots. And it goes like this. And I always tell folks, treat your ballot like cash. Yeah. If I owed you $1,000 cash, do you want me to drop it in the mail or drop it off at your house? Yeah. Drop that's, it off at the house. That's Drop right. it off at the clerk's office. That is very true. Uh, I'm also glad that we don't have anything like the same-day voter registration, which is yeah. something that the Democrats have pushed for for a very long time and I think opens up the door for opportunity as well. I, yeah, and actually, um, Democrat State Senator David Haley out of Wyandotte County has the best argument against it. Mm. because, And he called it um, riot voting. 
let's say before a school election, I alter a video, uh, 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 a photo of you in blackface and say, here's Andy Hoosier in blackface at a party last week. Right. Go register to vote tomorrow and vote this man out. <laughs> Three days after the election, you find out it was an altered vi- photo and right. it was not true. Yeah. That's how you hijack an election. But you, you want people to say, no, you need to engage in this process in the voting deadline, which, by the way, voter registration deadline is July 12th. Yes. And if you're not 18, but you're going to be 18 by August 2nd, register to vote. It will be received and you'll be able to vote this August. And so you don't have those to, young people. You voting. don't have to be 18 at the day of registration. No, you have to be 18 at the day of the election. So perfect. If, yeah. So if you all those if you got seniors out there, got grandkids out there, go ahead and tell them, hey, register to vote. And if you're going to be 18 by August 2nd, you're going to go. It's the same thing for the in November as well. Sure. And the other thing is, if you're 16, you can work the poll. If you when Ooh. folks are like, "Oh, I'm worried about voter fraud," go be a poll worker. Yeah. Go be the eyes and the accountability on the election. Go through training. And if you're a teenager, it's great for a scholarship if you're going to apply for one for college. Oh, I like that. Now with this movie as well, with the 2,000 mules and showing the concern with the drop boxes like that, what would it take to someone to try and actually steal or drop in a whole bunch <laughs> if it actually works? And if people want to be poll watchers, uh, if they're really that concerned about it, can they actual, actually watch the drop boxes as well? Yeah, they can. And most of our drop boxes have surveillance on them. Okay. You know, there's a few counties that can't afford it, but they're working on it. And sure. they probably have it ready for this year, but they're bolted to the ground again. They're locked. And normally they lock the box at seven o'clock, so you can't even put a ballot in there. Mm-hmm. Most people who are going to ballot harvest are going to put it in the mail because it's not secure and there's no cameras. Mm. That's why they're going to do it that way. But today, so it's like you can't print a ballot on your computer because sure. you don't have the, you know, if it's a barcode, watermark, or an alphanumeric code. And even if you could, you, it's not going to count because you got to get the security envelope from the clerk's office. So now you broke into there. You broke two laws. But okay, let's just say you did that. I'm that, that good. You are yeah. that good. Well, it still doesn't count, Andy, because you didn't put a name on there. And if you did put a name on there, still doesn't count because it's not a registered voter. And if you did that, still doesn't count because they didn't ask for that ballot. And yeah. if you still did that, it still doesn't count because the signature didn't match. If sure. you could, If you're that good to get one ballot that was illegally cast, Still doesn't count. You're going to be hiring them on to try and screen the other ones, like those FBI guys hiring all the hackers. <laughs> Make them a stuff white hat. Hackers. Yeah, yeah. But it still doesn't count because you don't know that person's driver's license number. And I like to. I don't even know my wife's driver's license number. I, like I said earlier, I got to pull mine out to look at it. Sure. So that's why when folks are worried about ballot stuffing, Kansas is on the cutting edge of keeping that secure. But you have still in a hard vote. Sure. It's not hard at all. Are you starting to see other states take the example and take the take the role that you guys are with different pieces of legislation and what you guys have for security measures? Yeah, we have. The Georgia law, a lot of that was mirrored off what we do in Kansas, mm. which I was surprised. Like, you're calling them racist, but you're not calling me racist because we've had this law in the books for years. And again, Laura Kelly voted for it. Um, it and it's also Z- interesting, the, the law they pass in Georgia is the same law basically they have in Colorado. Mm-hmm. which is voter ID for advanced mail ballots. Okay. But the MLB moved the All-Star game from Georgia to Denver. To where Colorado, they yeah, yeah. I was just going to mention that. Same I mean, law. yeah, they, they used our law to pass in Georgia for them to move from that one to go to the same place in Colorado just for the feel-good, I guess, politics of it. I don't understand I, I don't why think they, they read the bill. Yeah. It's it's It just became political and it wasn't necessary. Wow. So, But I'm just telling yeah, folks that say, you know, we get it from both sides. In the primary, there's voter fraud. Yeah. And then when their person wins, oh, no, it was, it was a great election. When their person loses, they say it was voter fraud. Sure. Then we get in the general, if their person wins, that was a great election. And if they lose, oh, it's voter suppression. Mm. We don't do either. 
Right. And here's what the de- the reason why the Democrats quit talking about voter suppression is they know Democrat turnout drops 18 to 12 percent because they say, well, they're just going to suppress my vote anyway. Right. And Democrats, they need Democrat turnout this year. That's why they're not talking about it. Sure. So flip side on Republicans, ours drops 18 to 12 percent if you talk about voter fraud and that you can't trust the Kansas election. Because they just don't even try. What's, right. the, what's, what's the point? And at that point, we lose value than both because Republicans don't show up. So sure. this is why we're really out there telling folks. Kansas gets it right. Right. Go vote. And, it, you know, you have this populism out there saying, you know, you can't trust the election system. It's being hacked. I can't find anything, but you know it's there. And they stir up fear for political power or, or money. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Reagan Republican. It's positive. The Supreme Court misread our Constitution. And as people of Kansas, we have a hope. It's positive that we can change that. Yeah. Because of the security measures, your vote will count. So get out there and vote and go make your voice heard on August Get out there and vote. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement to turn out and actually go and vote. I mean, we saw the primaries just uh, last week in, in the state of Georgia. Record number of people turned out for that. What and happened that's, to the voter suppression? Where did the voter suppression <laughs> go? And Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor out there as the Democrat, was saying that there was going to be voter suppression because of these new laws. Then came back after the record vote and said, well, it's not actually going to suppress votes. It's just going to be hard for people to turn out to vote or but something. But it wasn't. But it wasn't it because wasn't. we saw a record turnout. Yeah. So what we're finding out is if it, trust in election system is very important. Yes. Um, if you don't have those security measures, then people don't trust it. Even if the election was fine, put the measures in there to create trust. Yeah. That's what George is trying to do. We've been doing it for 11 years. Sure. That is very true. we got a couple of minutes left here. Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Talk about the business side of things. How are things going there and uh, with businesses? Summertime coming up, people registering their business, uh, which, you know, again, I went on and filed my paper for our good standing kind of thing with the Hoosier Media Network, which is awesome. So uh, it's still a simple process there. How do business look here in Kansas right now? Well, we passed a bill that allows biannual filing. So in 2024, I believe that'll start so you'll file once and then you know you forget about it for two years yes. instead of just one. So that's just administratively easier on you. But the other thing we're doing is, is the business one stop. We've talked about it before. You know, if you start a restaurant in Old Town, you come to us to file your LLC, then you got to go to AG to get your permit for the restaurant. Right. Revenue if you're going to sell beer, wine, and spirits. And then if you've got labor, you got to go to labor to get your unemployment insurance and work comp. And then you also, if you want help from commerce. We're building this, but we're on an AS400, and this mm. computer system was outdated in the 80s. It's going to take us another year to get off it. Sure. Because we're going through seven generations of computer code to get off it, sometimes 11. And so once we're off that, we'll have the one stop completely up and running. But it's ksbiz, with a Z, dot can, dot ks.gov. So it's can, ksbiz.kansas.gov. Got it right. And um, the advantage of that thing is when you're done, you just file your LLC, answer all the questions, and hopefully by the end of next summer, your permits would just come in. You don't have to hit the other silos. And here's the other nice thing about this. Mm-hmm. I was sharing this with the Wichita Chamber the, uh, a month or two ago. Cedric County, you're an aviation hub, right? Sure. How do you know? Is that based on data or tradition? Mm, that's a good question. So normally, during the shutdown, we were doing 80 new business filings a day still. Okay. We normally do 110. We're doing 135, 136 a day now. Wow. A lot of folks who lost their job during the pandemic didn't go back to work for the company they created. Started one. their own. Yeah. So what if we can trend that and come back to Sedgwick and say, hey, you guys are starting 20 new application development companies a day. Yeah, that's amazing. Would you change the conversation with Wichita State and say, we might need a new curriculum to feed a new business sector that's coming up? Yeah. And you don't have to pay a New York consultant to get it. 
you got a Kansan in the Secretary of State's office who'll just give it to you. That's amazing entrepreneurship right here in the state of Kansas. That's really exciting. It is exciting. It's a great wow. opportunity. It's the, maybe it'd be the next Cerner, the next Coke, the next Garmin. You never know when one of those is going to hit and just change your state. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. You're on the campaign trail as well. How's the campaign going? And as you talk to people, I'm assuming the voter fraud stuff's kind of the main focal point that they ask you about issues you know, right now? Actually, it's not, depending on the audience. Okay. You know, if you go to a Republican Party picnic, and somebody just saw 2,000 views, then that's what they talk to. But really, as we talk to local leaders and, and party leaders and community leaders, they're concerned about the economy mm. and what are we doing to make it easier to do business with Kansas. Yeah. And that's where we come in with that business one stop. And then they have a couple of questions. Well, explain to me the voting stuff. Overwhelmingly, people trust the Kansas election system, and sure. they have for years. I mean, Chris Kobach had the chance to go out there and look for all this voter fraud, and he found like 12 cases, I think, four pled guilty or something like that. Mm. That's not enough to change a governor's race. Sure. And so Kansas gets it right, and it was proven through that case study, and we're going to continue to get it right. I love it. Other than that, I mean, outside of that issue, are you getting good feedback on the campaign trail? We absolutely are, um, and raising money has been it's going well, and that's really your barometer. If yep. you're raising money, you know, people put their money where their heart is, and so clearly people are supporting us. Sure. I love it. Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I'm glad that you came down to Wichita again, was able to swing in studio. It's always good to chat with you. It's always honored. I always enjoy it. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Back after this right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. All right, there it is. That is Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Always appreciate him coming in studio, chatting with us, and some really interesting, great information regarding the voting system here in the state of Kansas. And what we do right, what we could still tweak and work on here in our state, but uh, do you feel a little bit more secure about our elections here in Kansas after hearing some of that? And do you think that we're, we should be a little proud of the fact that other states, like the state of Georgia, like the state of Colorado, other states have used a lot of the same ideals and restrictions and uh, um, uh, verification process that we have here in security measures here in Kansas? Uh, they're mimicking what we're doing here. We are where everything starts which I think we should be proud of here in Kansas. So, all right, we got to take a break. Top of the hour, right around the corner. Hour number two, we have Dave Traubert, Kansas Policy Institute, at the bottom of next hour. But to kick it off, it's open lines to you at 316-721-8255. We'll talk about some fun issues, get you set for election season. The registration to run and the deadline to file to run as a candidate ended yesterday. Who are the official candidates? We'll get into some of that and more. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hour number two of Kansas Talk is officially here. Hey, welcome into the show. Happy Saturday. Getting you up and moving for another weekend. Always good to have you along for the ride today. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, getting officially into summer, which I know you're out and about. I was driving in this morning, and like everybody and their dog literally was out there walking, walking the dog, doing the jog, doing the run, doing the walking. And it's good to see because it's nice and cool first thing in the morning. But, man, everybody's out and about doing it. So whether you're out the camping, uh, camping site, whether you're out hiking, whether you're out working, whether you're out just walking around, Hopefully you tune in to us, and it's always good to have you along for the ride. Thanks again, Phil Martinez, coming on the program, hour number one. Also, Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Did that settle some nerves 
with his conversation. Did that uh, kind of put some uh, ease into your mind with concerns about potential voter fraud, at least here in the state of Kansas? Obviously, we have a lot of work to do nationwide, and uh, but you know, there's optimism. There's hope because if we try to mimic what we've done here in the state of Kansas and do it elsewhere with states implementing these rules, even though the Democrats lose their minds when this stuff happens, and we can actually start to clean up the electoral system by having some type of security in the system. And now that they're being exposed for it, here's the most dangerous part about that documentary, 2000 Mules, is that now we are aware of what they're doing. It's always happened. We always kind of knew something was happening. But to see it, to not just only see it, but to see it at the extent that it's happening now is concerning. And they've been able to get away with it for a long time. So now that we're aware of it and we've caught them red-handed and we start to work to limit that, what is going to be their response? Now, this is kind of like a computer and hacker situation where you put on the malware on your computer. Uh, some type of hacker finds a way into your computer to still put a, anti, uh, put a virus on there or take control of it in some way, shape, or form. So you have to update your malware, update your antivirus on your computer. And it's a ongoing process because when bad guys want to do bad things they're always going to do bad things seems vaguely familiar with the conversation we have about firearms as well but it's an ongoing battle that we have to have so we'll talk some more about it as we go into election season but hopefully that uh, it, even if it doesn't put you at ease at least understand the process of the electoral uh, system here in the state of Kansas. And I think that we should be the beacon and the guidance and the example that other states could use to implement at their own level while we continue here in Kansas to clean it up and just fine tune it. It's like the guy working out. You just fine tune it. Go to the gym. You just want to fine tune that. You just want to try and get that last little bit out there. And I think that's a good, uh, good way that we could work here in the state of Kansas. 316-721-8255. Dave Jobert, Kansas Policy Institute. He'll be joining us at the bottom of this hour. And before we get into any topics here, which I do want to get into election season, because yesterday was the final deadline to file if a candidate wanted to jump into the races here in the state of Kansas. It was June 1st due to whatever. We ended up delaying it another 10 days. A lot of it had to do with the redistricting and the courts to make a final approval on the redistricting of not only congressional seats, but the state legislature and county commission seats and city council and school boards and everything across the state that took some time to make sure that they were all final and approved. So we ended up delaying the filing deadline until yesterday, June 10th. Now that that date has passed, what are the final candidates? Uh, starting next week, we will be right off the bat, and we'll have at least a candidate every single Saturday on this show to try and get that word out there, which leads me to the point that I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to the program. And I really, truly do appreciate it, not just this program, but our weekday program as well with the Voice of Reason that we're on a, uh, a few different radio stations, but we get to do it with our flagship right out of here. As we continue to see rating numbers come in, which, you know, we don't always base it off our ratings, but just kind of get a gist, a general idea of, you know, the listenership that we have. This program does very, very well on Saturday mornings as we match a lot of other um, content that is similar to us in this market for this time. And uh, I mean, not, I'm a good friend with them. I, I, you know, he's a good friend and we like to kind of have a little fun back and forth, but the other local talk show host that's on the other station on Sunday evenings, we dominate just completely obliterate uh, by like triple the amount of listenership on there. So thank you for that. We appreciate you very, very much. We love you to death here in Wichita. The fact that we've been on the air that I've been on the air here in the Wichita area for, Let's see, since 2015, so that'd be what, seven years now. 
on the air here in the Wichita area specifically is absolutely amazing. And we continue to grow. This show doesn't even compare to what we do during the week with our numbers there, which are uh, just continuously growing and doing well as well. So between this show and that show, we do very, very well. But this is the show where when we when we went national during the week, I wanted an opportunity to still be able to talk about local and statewide issues because this is our home. And while we can talk about Joe Biden all we want to, the local issues are important. So we had to come up with the program. I wanted to do this Saturday mornings to talk about candidates, talk about the governorship, talk about the state legislative sessions, to talk about these issues. And I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. Hopefully you are at least enjoying it. But the numbers reflect that you guys are paying attention and watching and listening, uh, guys, gals, and other. Don't I, I want to be inclusive here on this program. So thank you so, so much. And with the continued rating numbers that come in and show the positivity of this show, I really appreciate that. We love you to death. So uh, I just wanted to shout that out and say thank you for that because we have been the only local conservative talk show in the Wichita market, the largest radio market in the state of Kansas, which we don't consider Kansas City because that's considered the Missouri radio market. Wichita is the largest radio market in the entire state of Kansas, and it was in desperate need for a conservative talk program, and we have fulfilled that hopefully to your standards and what you like and enjoy And I just have to say thank you for tuning in and listening to us every single Saturday and, of course, on the weekday show because that show just completely blows this one away as well for the week. And we're up against Sean Hannity at that same time. So thank you for that, and I appreciate that very, very much. All right, let's get into it. Some election stuff, and we have some calls on the line. I want to get to you as well. But we are official. We're locked in. We're set. The candidates are official for who's going to run for the primary election in August in Kansas and who's going to be running for the general election in November if they do not have a primary challenger. And I'm here to say that the vast majority of Republicans in the state legislature do not have a primary challenger which is kind of awesome. In the primaries as well, I don't believe that we have a Repo- oh, we do have a Republican challenger for the governor. Now, I don't know who they are. We will get them on and talk with them, but obviously the front runner is Derek Schmidt and Katie Sawyer who are running. Derek Schmidt, our Kansas uh, Attorney General right now. We have him on still on a monthly basis and I believe he'll be on next week as well to talk about issues coming out of the Attorney General's office, but he is our main front runner for the state of Kansas uh, as a Republican. Now, Arlen Briggs and Lance Berland are the competitors in the primary election. I do not know them. i got to be honest. I've never heard the names. I don't know who they are. So we will do some digging, and we'll get them on the program and chat with them because I want you to hear from every candidate. The good news that we have here is that we're not going to have, at least in my opinion, we're not going to have a brutal bloodbath like we did in the last governor's race that really caused some emotional tension between Republicans going into the general election, which I truly honestly believe that is what's lost the uh, the election for us just four years ago. I truly believe that's what it was. And I talked about this last week when I got to have the honor again to speak at the Wichita Pachyderm Club last Friday. Uh, and we, we talked about just the lesson that we've maybe learned here in the state. When we had that brutal election that really came down to three to 350 votes for the primary for the Republican governor's race. And then one side was just uh, the, the candidate's horrible and evil and I don't want to support them and they didn't turn out. That's how we got a Democrat that won nine counties out of out of 99 Kansas counties. She won nine of them and ended up winning the entire election because of low Republican voter turnout on the governor's race. I hope that we've learned our lesson and I really hope that this this year we can unite and even if we have a competitive primary, which I think is a good thing to have a competitive primary, 
that at the end of the day, we can say, you know what, this is our candidate. Let's unite. Let's work as a family. Let's work as a team. And let's get these guys elected. I think that is what we need to focus on and what we need to do. And I think that would be some really good news if we did focus on it at that side. Because uh, it, I, I always see it, and I use this example of kind of the the Italian family, the loud Italian family. You talk to each other. Eh, what are you doing? You, you smack each other on the back of the head. You fight internally. But guess what? When you're out in public and you're against somebody else, then when you mess with one, you mess with the entire family. You give each other a hard time internally, but when you're outside, you're united as a single front. That's what Republicans have to do, and I really hope that we learn that lesson and that we move forward as such uh, as Republicans going forward with these elections because tearing ourselves apart, we are our own worst enemy. Now, here's a little bit of a twist is I got word as of Wednesday this week, as the filing deadline was getting close, that there is another candidate going into the general election that could do some type of, I don't want to say damage, but could be having some type of impact on the election for November as former Republican State Senator Dennis Pyle. I know the name. I've never We've never had him on the program, but State Senator Dennis Pyle has renounced his Republicanship and is now running as an independent for governor with Kathleen Garrison from right here in the Hayesville area, which I, I know Kathleen Garrison. She's a great individual. I'm friends with her, so we'll have them on the program. But running as the independent candidate, how much of an impact will that have on the election? Majoritively, if some individuals do vote for the independent ticket, more than likely, that's going to draw away from the Republican candidate. So is it going to be enough to sway the election? Or could they have a chance of winning? I personally highly doubt it, just from my personal opinion, from the two-party system that we have. But could they have an impact on the election? They could draw some from the Republicans and make it more challenging for us to beat Governor Laura Kelly at the end of the day. But... I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. So former State Senator Dennis Pyle, a former Republican, now quote-unquote independent, has jumped on board with Kathleen Garrison, a staunch conservative who's running as the independent ticket as governor and lieutenant governor candidate for the November election. Very interesting. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the lines here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's uh, Sean. Sean, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm uh, third to Midland. A hey. sticky, though. You know what? It is a little muggy out there. It's supposed to get, like, I don't know, mid-90s today, so I guess prepare for the hot weather. 100 degrees tomorrow, Sean. I don't know that I can handle this. I like my 30-degree weather. Well, you know, uh, I would rather have it warm out than cold, but it's not the, so much the heat. I, uh, the last time I checked the humidity, it was continuing to drop. It was down to 79%. The problem is the dew point. Does that clear up at uh, 73? So that's why it feels so muggy out. Plus, we're not getting enough. Uh, we're not getting enough wind. It's just a light breeze out there. So, we had a good stiff wind. Wouldn't feel so humid. Sure. Got to got to uh, stir things up a little bit. That's right. That's the way it goes here. So anyway, um, uh, Derek Schmidt. Yes. He's got my. He's got my vote for governor. You want to know why? Why is that? He's a known quantity. And I've heard him on your show several times too. Okay, I, these other people that are running, never heard of, and I'm not never, never vote for an independent. Don't independents when they when they become independents, don't they usually always caucus with the Democrats? Um, well, it depends. I mean, there are technically 288 third-party independent parties across the nation. Uh, so, uh, running for an independent, it really is what their beliefs are now. 
the fact that I don't know Dennis Pyle a whole lot from my understanding from the little that I do know was that Dennis Pyle was a Republican, more of a moderate Republican, but a Republican. But Kathleen Garrison, who's his running mate on the ticket for the independence, she is a staunch conservative. She is a very strong uh, right wing conservative. And uh, so to kind of bring him on that side. So it depends on what their views are. If they are a moderate left leaning independent group, they'll draw from Democrats. If they are a moderate right wing conservative group, They'll pull from uh, Republicans. I mean, the prime example of that was in Colorado. If you remember the name Tom Tancredo, he was a former he's a former congressman. He was in Congress there for, I don't know, two or three sessions uh, up in Washington, D.C. He's the one that ran for president back in 2008, I believe. And he was the very first one on the presidential ticket uh, to actually mention illegal immigration. That was his focus was immigration issues. And he ran for governor in Colorado two, three times probably, as a member of the Constitution Party, as a third-party candidate, as a staunch radical conservative individual. And I'm a big fan of him. We've had him on the show many times before. But as a right-wing conservative guy like that running third party, you're going to pull away from people that would predominantly vote as a Republican. So with this ticket, with Senator Dennis Pyle and Kathleen Garrison, they might get some votes as an independent, but they're going to pull away from Republicans, making it more difficult for us to beat a Democrat. Well, of course, and the biggest example of that is uh, Ross Perot, who uh, was yeah. never serious about being president anyway, or he would have dropped out of the race only to get back in it later. Right. You know, he took he took he robbed Bush of nineteen percent of the Republican vote, causing a causing a what's his name to get elected, and he didn't even get what but forty three percent of the vote. So so uh, uh, you know these third party candidates, most of them are yahoos anyway. Um, uh, you can't name a third-party candidate. Uh, I don't know of a third-party candidate that holds a seat anywhere. You know, they don't. Maybe- there are maybe one or two independents in Washington D.C. in Congress, uh, at least that I saw a couple of years ago. I'm sure that they're still kind of lingering out there as well. But you're right. It is very. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a, is a prime example. He's considered an independent. He was elected as a senator as an independent, but caucused with the Democrats to run for president because he is far left on the left side of the aisle as a socialist that fits in line with them. But he doesn't like the two party system, so he runs as an independent, but that's a very, very narrow margin of people that can actually run and win as a third-party candidate, even in state legislatures. The vast majority is Republican or Democrat. Now, I agree with those that say, Andy, I hate the two-party system. I get it. I don't like the two-party system either. However, we have to come to the realization and the facts and understanding that we have a two-party system, whether we like it or not, and the only way to fix it is not to divide and separate the vote to where the other side gets more control and power, but to fix it from within to where we have the ability to do it properly down the road. John, I hate to cut you off. We are way late on a break here, but uh, it's good to talk to you, my friend. Stay cool out there because it is going to be a warm one for sure. we got some other calls on the line I want to get to as well when we come back, but we have to take a break. We still have our AARP interview. We will uh, uh, run here in a little bit as well. So we have a lot more to get to. It's Candace Talk. It is this Saturday. It is rocking it. And we always appreciate you guys hanging out with us here to help start off your Saturday morning and your weekend. Lots more coming up on Candace Talk. Stay here.
36 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker. KQAM 316-721-8255. talk By the way, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Go and check them out today until 2.30. Also online at philscoins.com. Let's go back to the phones here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Going once, going twice. All right, you know, let's put you back on hold here for a second. If you want to call in, you're more than welcome to. Uh, had a couple kind of drop in and drop off throughout the break, so let's see if we got them back on here. Good morning. Who's this? No? All right. Never mind. Give us a call back. We'll love to hear from you and uh, uh, get your thoughts on the third parties. The third party, are you concerned about them going into the general election this year? The good news here, though, is looking at the list of the primary candidates. There are very few primary candidates, some of them to pay attention to, however. Secretary of State, obviously, with Scott Schwab running for re-election. There is another Republican in that race that's thrown in, Mike Brown. We'll get him on the program and chat with him. The Attorney General's race is going to be an interesting one this year. Now, I believe that a Republican will win no matter who it is, but uh, because I, I don't know the Democrat, Chris Mann, at the same time. However, uh, there are three Republicans running for the primary for attorney general, and that would be Chris Kobach, that would be Tony Mativi, and Kelly Warren. So uh, we will have all three of those throughout the next few months here and have them on the program talking about that race for attorney general, but that is a crucial election that we need to make sure stays red uh, to be able to fight the administration at the federal level through some of the legal means. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two, good morning, is this? Hey, Andy, it's Dave Trauber, just uh, on hold for the next Dave Trauber, fantastic. All right, hang tight here. we got just about a minute. We'll get to you. Uh, Dave Trauber, Kansas Policy Institute. We'll have him on the show here in a minute. They have a great event coming up next week that you could be part of. We'll also get his, pick his brain a little bit on some inflation and other issues going on as well. So now that the candidate list is official, the uh, filing is a... All said and done as of yesterday here in the state of Kansas. What are your thoughts as we go into it? Are we united as a Republican front this year, or are we divided? And could we see some Democrats try and slip in now with some of the redistricting as well? I think overall it's been a little bit more favorable to Republicans than it has to Democrats, which is why they try to challenge much of those in the courts as well. But House seats, we have the state treasurer. We have the attorney general. We have the governor's race. It's election season, baby, and you know we're excited about it. So we will have some fun with that here momentarily. All right, we'll take a break. Bottom of the hour news. When we come back, Dave Trobert, Kansas Policy Institute. We'll chat with him about what's going on. Plus, we'll get our updates weekly with the AARP. Last half hour on the home stretch here for Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk here on the home stretch. Last half hour of the program. Always great to have you along for the ride today. During the week, we are rocking it with some great talk programs as well. Make sure to stay tuned into KQAM all day long, which I know you do because we see you. We see it. Actually, we rock it with uh, the length of time that you guys listen to, just listening to program after program. 
with Brian Kilmeade in the mornings. John Wright, obviously, early mornings with your news, traffic, weather, and uh, morning news to get you up and going for the day. Brian Kilmeade, the Fox News radio studios out of New York City. He's out of there. We are still loving, absolutely love having Dan Bongino on the program live uh, for the middays uh, throughout the week. Todd Starnes, as you just heard the liner there, Todd Starnes out of Memphis, Tennessee. But he's got a great connection here with uh, Wichita. A lot of great listeners, a lot of great fans. And uh, we're so proud to have him on the airway from 2 to 4. My program live 4 to 5 every day with our national broadcast of the Voice of Reason on multiple radio stations. And then, of course, Joe Pags in the afternoon. We just rock it all day long. So stay tuned in here to KQAM. We always appreciate that and love you guys to death. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit for the last half hour here as we talk about an event coming up next week. I also got to pick his brain on some other fun stuff as well going into election season in the state of affairs in the nation and here in the state of Kansas. And it's been way too long since we've had him on the show. I don't know what's taken us so long to get him back on here, but we love having him on with the Kansas Policy Institute. It's Dave Trauber on the line with us here. Dave, how are you, my friend? Great, Andy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always good to talk with you. I apologize for it being so long. It's uh, it's it's hard to get so many guests on on a Saturday program, but we have to keep you on here because especially with the state of affairs right now, this economy, we just saw the report for the month of May, 8.6% inflation, the highest that we've seen since what, like 1981? This is insanity here. It took what took four years of the Jimmy Carter administration. It took Joe Biden a year and a half. Yeah, it's uh, like most things that go wrong with an economy, a lot of it comes down to government. Uh, various ways that they, you know, government officials will try to do maybe what they think is the right thing to do, but spending more money is always going to cause inflation. You know, the way that they have not only increased, um, you know, spending, but the way they increased spending, a lot of it was just turning on the printing press. I mean, they most of that increase was printed money. I mean, that is the number one way you raise inflation. Yeah, that is true. When they try to come out with this campaign right now, obviously they have nothing else to run on. So when they come out and say that Joe Biden created 6 million jobs, and it's not his fault that the $5 gallon gas is out there. It's not his fault that the 8.6% inflation is out there. But we created 6 million jobs and the economy is moving upward. When CNBC, I, I love this, and I don't know if you've heard this clip of CNBC with, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. but To me, we have the strongest economy. Perhaps I have ever seen shit. Number. <laughs> I mean, when you have that in the mainstream media, it's laughable. It is, you know, I, and I gotta believe that it, you know, probably at least half of his communications team doesn't believe what they're saying <laughs> because they know it's not true. I mean, yeah. how do you have a strong economy when GDP is going backwards? Yeah. It's unfortunate. Now, here in the state of Kansas, let's bring it home here. We finished up our legislative session for this year. You and I, in throughout the years, we've talked a lot about the budget. We've talked about public education funding. We've talked about the taxes. Finally, we have the tear step down of the sales tax on food after Governor Kelly really stole that campaign talking point after years of fighting it and stopping it and stalking people in the grocery store with an axe, wanting to, quote-unquote, axe the tax is that going to give us any relief here in Kansas? Not much. I mean, for some people, yes, uh, because it is a regressive tax. And, and any sales tax is a regressive tax. Um, and, and so it will help some people. But uh, let's be honest. Laura Kelly is trying to get reelected. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's all that sales tax issue is. It, it, it's it's an ele- an election you know vote for me tactic. Uh, you know we testified on on the proposal and and said yeah if you really want to help these people you reduce the income tax you provide at least the same if not more savings than people would get on the food sales tax you reduce the income tax because that is the most impactful tax on. Uh, the economy. It hurts the most. You do not tax productivity, yeah. tax property, tax sales, whatever. But if you're serious about helping, then you go to the one that hurts the most. The food sales tax gets more publicity. Sure. That is very so true. Vote for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Vote for me on that front. It is laughable. Now, the state budget as a whole, your thoughts, it did go up a little bit, but we did get to put the billion dollars into the uh, CAPERS payments to try and catch up on those. So overall, what do you think of the session this year and our final budget and what we did with some of that COVID-19 relief funding? You know, uh, paying down debt uh, is is good to use. You know, you've got you've got one-time money. You want to spend it on one-time things, and paying down debt is always a good move. Um, and and so there were some good things that took place, but uh, there was a lot of squandered opportunity at the same time. Sure. There uh, there was real opportunity to cut taxes, uh, and and they you know they they didn't want to do it for a lot of different reasons, and most of them come down to politics. Yeah, uh, worried about who's going to get credit for it. Uh, it's unfortunate that politics uh, is is always taking a front seat to policy, and, and that's that's bipartisan. Uh, you know, it's uh, th- there were a lot of good things that happened, but we we left a lot of good stuff on the table. That is very true. We're talking with Dave Trobert, Kansas Policy Institute. Let's talk about an event you guys have coming up this next week. Obviously, not just with budgetary issues, but you guys focus a lot of attention on the K through twelve public schools as well. And I uh, group of panelists, uh, you being included in that as well, talking about K through twelve students here in Kansas. What's coming up? What are you guys working on? Well, it's uh, the, it's about the cultural divide between parents and schools and how that's impacting student achievement. You know, it's you have uh, I'll give you a sneak preview of uh, a story we're going to publish on Monday. Uh, you know, for all this uh, posturing, school officials talk about their devotion to eliminating discrimination and inequality and so forth. Well, a new study just came out showing Kansas is the 32nd worst state in the nation for racial equality, wow. looking at educational measurements. And, and that's, again, this is a sham. It is political posturing on the part of school officials to give them cover for their political agenda. If they were serious about wanting to end and end racial discrimination, they would focus on stopping their own educational discrimination. Uh, Kansas public schools, and probably most, it's probably true of many systems across the country, um, perpetuate race-based and income-based discrimination. Now, I know that sounds maybe harsh to some of your listeners, but let me give you a few examples. Um, We have uh, documented evidence. uh, There's an audit that was done of public schools on their at-risk funding. Legislators have provided more than $5 billion, it's billion with a B, in incremental funding since 2005 to help low-income kids, to help at-risk kids. 
And after KPI discovered that, you know, we had evidence they weren't doing it, then a state audit went in and officially found that most of the money they examined was not being spent for the direct benefit kids, benefit of at-risk kids, quote, as required in state law. Of course. Of they course. know they're not following the law to help these kids, and they won't do it. And what was the reaction? Well, state school board president, then President Kathy Bush, uh, wrote an editorial that basically said, shut up, go away, we know what we're doing. Well, with all due respect, you, you do know what you're doing, but it's not helping kids. So where was and, the money I mean, going? There's, there's more. Wait, was it going towards administrative? Um, it, it was just going to whatever the hell they wanted to spend it on. So, yes, some of it's administration. Some of it's, you know, it's wasting money on things like uh, what they call diversity, equity, and in, uh, inclusion, which is really pushing uh, uh, discrimination on kids, trying to divide kids from their parents with uh, critical race theory uh, and gender identity indoctrination. And, and that's what this, you know, you have the school system saying, oh, no, we're not doing that. No, 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 we're not doing that. See, that's not in our standards. Well, no kidding. Standards are what you write on a piece of paper. It's, it's what says this is what you're supposed to learn in order to be considered, say, proficient. Sure. Um, but what takes place in the classroom is entirely different and entirely separate. They know they're doing it. We've seen, uh, we've had parents uh, at meetings. Our Sentinel has discovered more than two dozen examples in Kansas. And, and yet they continue to say, no, we're not doing that. And so it's really important for people to understand. And that's why we're bringing in national speakers, civil rights experts like Robert Woodson and Wilfred Riley to talk about what's going on across the country and, 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 be aware of what's out there, but then learn what some of the solutions are. Uh, we're bringing in Mary Miller from Parents Defending Education. It's a national grassroots organization. And then I'm going to be on the panel to talk about, you know, provide some of the local flavor of what's going on here in Kansas. Sure. I love it. It's a great event, and it's coming up on Monday the 13th. Come and check it out. It's at Wood in Woodland Park. It's Cultural Divide Between Parents and Schools, the Impact on Student Achievement. Have we seen anything getting better and as you mentioned with some of the things that we can do and some ideas i mean obviously parents are more fired up now on education than ever before with the critical race theory debate with the mask mandate mm. debate or with the vaccine debates i mean now we're getting to the point to where some administrations are literally calling parents domestic terrorists by showing up at school board mm -hmm. meetings and trying to challenge them it seems like now is the prime opportunity to be aware of not only those issues, but this one as well with this cultural divide to make public schools work for the children. Yeah, you know, and Andy, that's the, the, the I, I, maybe the only positive development we can look to is that uh, parents now are beginning to understand uh, that school officials, and this is not a teacher problem. I'm going to be really clear about this. this is not a teacher problem. This sure. is a management problem. This is the school board. This is the school administration that is forcing these things on kids and on teachers and other staff. Uh, and, and parents are finding out that uh, that's what's going on. And, and at the same time, they are, as they have been for years, ignoring the academic needs of kids. I mean, it's, it's to a point, Andy, where high school graduation of diploma is more like an attendance award. Wow. 
Unbelievable. I mean, you have we have more high school kids below grade level in Kansas than are proficient. <laughs> I mean, and, think and about that. And we're supposed you to get can, them set for higher education or for the career when when they graduate, they're not learning the things that need to be learned. Yeah, that's the job: academically preparing kids for college and career, and they are failing miserably at that. We have over forty percent of high school kids below grade level in math, and yet the schools want to tout their 89% graduation rate. They know they are giving diplomas to kids who are below grade level and not even close to being prepared. But that's not the goal. The goal is to make the public education system look good. Sure. The system is really designed, both structurally and operationally, uh, to help sustain the system and the adults in it to the detriment of kids. So if we don't have the proper um, educational level when we graduate, how much again are we spending per head, uh, per student in the state of Kansas? Because it's increased dramatically over the years that you and I have talked in the seven years we've been on the radio here in Wichita. It's increased dramatically, but yet we still have these numbers. So what's the current number now per student? Uh, The current number is over 16,000 that they're spending this year. (laughs) Um, and, but wait, it gets worse. Uh, if you adjust for cost of living, because you know, a dollar, I mean, you've moved around the country, a dollar you spend in Kansas buys a lot more than your dollar you spend in New York. Sure. Uh, if you adjust for cost of living, Kansas is the 11th highest spend per student in the nation. Wow. And yet we can't that get them to be That was based on 2020 and it keeps going. Yeah. We're, we're by now we're easily in the top 10. Uh, and, and we have uh, really low student achievement. Just Kansas to put the, is below average in a nation that doesn't do well. Exactly. And just to put just into perspective for radio listeners as well, when we started talking probably, what, five, six years ago, we were losing our minds when it hit $9,000 per student. We're at now $16,000 per student. A private school, at least back then when we talked, was anywhere between eleven to 12000 and we were losing our minds that it was almost just as expensive to send our students to a public school to get a horrible uh, 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 education. Again, not based on the teachers, but based on the administration, uh, the administrative garbage it goes through it, as opposed to actually spending the money to go to a private school. Now, we're well above that private school level, aren't we? Uh, in most cases, yeah. I mean, there, there may be a few uh, elite private schools that, that uh, spend more per student or at least charge more in tuition. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're way over that. And, and, Andy, here's the sad truth. One, one of the mantras of the school officials in this last legislative session was we just don't have enough money. Don't have enough money. That's the always they, go-to. I mean, that is, that is, that, that's always it is focus on, well, see, you're just not giving us enough money. Or you're not giving us enough money fast enough. It's always about money. They want more money. And that is one of the reasons that school choice is the solution to a lot of this, because money is what gets their attention. It's the only thing yep. that gets their attention. And so you, you provide universal school choice that allows kids who are not getting the education they deserve the opportunity right now to go somewhere else. And that ability to to, uh, to leave uh, is what forces schools to compete. And it's not theory. We've seen it happen in Florida, in Arizona, in Indiana. States with robust school choice programs uh, are, are having achievement gains far greater than the national average. It's, it's really clear 
you make them compete and they will get better because they know they lose money if they don't. Exactly. It is a frustrating, sad situation all around. Dave Trabert, Kansas Policy Institute. We're out of time, my friend. It's the event coming up this Monday, June 13th, up in Overland Park. The cultural divide between parents and schools, the impact on student achievement. Hopefully anybody that can make it can go up, see all these great panelists. Dave, you're going to be on that panel as well. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, this event and seeing all the information that comes out. But, Dave, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. It's been way too long. we got to get you back on here as we get uh, throughout election season as well. All right. Sounds good, Andy. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. Always fun. That again was Dave Trabert, Kansas Policy Institute, and always a pleasure to chat with him. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have our update with the AARP. We'll wrap up the show today for you as well. So much more to do. So little time. Seems to be the way of life, right? Lots more coming up on Kansas Talk. Stay here. Again, with the AARP Weather is the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also on their social media, like them and follow them there as well. Glenda's back online with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I am doing well today, Andy. Good to talk to you. Always good to talk with you. Let's talk about, you guys have a lot of stuff going on right now with spring and summertime hitting. Obviously, things always pick up a little bit, but there is a deadline coming up, and we talk a lot about the scams with the Fraud Watch Network. There's a scam that's ongoing that a lot of people always need to be aware of when it comes to Western Union scams and sending money through Western Unions, but there's an opportunity for individuals to maybe get some refunds on some of these if they have been scammed. Yes, it is, um, Andy. For many years, the criminal justice um, scam, the payment form was the uh, wire form transfers. So there's been an investigation of Western Union, uh, and now we are under we they there is an opportunity for people who were scammed to receive refunds. But as you said, there is a deadline, and it's coming up. It is fast approaching, and it's July the second. Uh, so we really want to make people aware of that. Sure. Talk about the process of if you have been scammed. First off, how do you report it and how could you apply uh, for the refund by this deadline? Right. Well, the best way to find out if you have um, you are eligible is to uh, go to the FTC's Western Union refund page or just to Western Union um, website and their claims administration page. And you'll be able to put your information in and find out uh, things that you'll need to know that uh, the refunds are available to anyone who um, was wired money, who wired money through Western Union stemming from any fraudulent type coercion. And that window of um, eligibility is between January 1 of 2004 and January 19 of 2017. So there's a time frame there that you um, we are hurt to be aware of. And uh, the refunds are going to be based on how much of that money that was transferred was fraudulent, and that's the amount that's going to be covered. And so once they have found out and when they're trying to file a claim, they will need to absolutely have that documentation of the fraudulent claim so that they can provide it and any receipts that are are available for them to do that. Mm. And they can also call uh, 1-855-786-1048. And they're able to um, file a petition and get information about it there. That would be really nice. I know that Western Union is one of the uh, types of ways that a lot of scammers love to try and get uh, fraudulent money from individuals, isn't it? Yes, 
it is. Yes, yeah. it's the way that uh, they reach out to individuals. Yes, it's through the the uh, wire transfer. Yeah, that and is that was done a lot, you know, a few years back. Yes. Sure. Good. The deadline coming up, July 2nd. Yeah, July 2nd is that deadline. Make sure and get uh, get your application and try and get some of those refunds if you have been scammed on that front. On the other front, you guys have a lot of other things going on as well that I don't want to miss out on with our time here, but a virtual coffee chat coming up here soon as well. Talk about that. Yes, we have our coffee chat, and it's going to be on Friday, uh, this coming Friday, June the 10th at 2 p.m., and our guest speaker will be our Secretary of State, uh, Scott Swap, and he will be talking about um, redistricting and answering questions about the new process and how it might impact our Kansans. So uh, that will be on our AARP uh Facebook page and our YouTube page. So we would really ask people to go to our youtube.com slash AARP Kansas. And that way they'll be able to participate. And we have our coffee chats weekly, but we really want people to uh, go to our YouTube channel and our Facebook page to stay up to date on information, but truly join in at two o'clock on Friday. That's going to be a really great conversation because, as you mentioned, not only the redistricting that's going on, but also getting people registered to vote going into an election season, plus whatever else is going on with the Secretary of State's website. Uh, Scott Schraub, always a great, informative individual, so I'm glad you guys are doing that. Yes, and we, AARP, we, uh, Kansas, we're also involved in our voter engagement and education campaign, so this will be a part of it, and uh, we'll just be able to provide information along with him about how and where and when to vote, so we're excited about that. Going to be great information. If people want more information on how to reach out to you guys, how to follow some of these different webinars that you guys do, and more, how can they uh, contact you? They can always reach out to us by going to our web uh, web page, which is aarp.org slash ks. aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also, as you mentioned, follow and like them on their Facebook, on their YouTube channels, watch all the webinars, and great stuff going on there as well. Glenda, we appreciate the time very much. Let's do it again next week. We will. Thank you, Andy. Take care. There it is. That's the latest with the AARP, and that does it for us today on Candace Talk. Thank you guys for tuning in like you do every single Saturday. We're back at it again next Saturday from 9 to 11. The weekend with Michael Brown right around the corner here on KQAM. Stay tuned in for that one. Great content, great information. We're back at it on The Voice Reason again Monday at 4 o'clock as well. Until then, have a great weekend. Try and stay cool out there with the near 100-degree weather. I guess summertime's officially here. Thanks, AOC. Global warming has officially arrived. We'll see you guys on the radio next week.